Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. And it is indeed a heck of a morning. Live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces, you hear the show in its entirety shortly after we're done here on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a great week. Hope all who celebrated had a fantastic Thanksgiving. First off, apologies. I kind of lied to you. I said we're going to do a show on Friday. We didn't. And mostly because it was a weird Friday. There's the PFL World Championship card, so technically I wasn't scheduled to work till 5 p.m. Eastern. But I think we gave you a couple of extra things, right? We gave you the the People's Pre-Fight Show on the YouTube channel. We gave you a post-fight reaction to Kayla Harrison's loss to Larissa Pacheco. But to be honest with you, Thanksgiving was a long day. My kid obviously wasn't in school. He wanted to go play some golf at a golf simulator, so... I plum forgot that I was supposed to do a show because I took him to the golf simulator and I didn't realize it until a couple hours later. I was like, oh, crap. I was supposed to do a heck of a morning, but it didn't happen. But I apologize. I will make it up to you somehow. And luckily, a lot has happened since we last spoke a week ago. Right? We had the PFL event. It actually was pretty good. I still scratch my head when it comes to slapping a $50 price tag on it. But if you paid it, I don't know if you got $50 worth, but you got most of your money's worth. I thought the card was fun. Was every card on the main card an absolute barn burner? No. Were there some good finishes? Yes. Were there some great storylines? Yep. Was there a lot to talk about in the aftermath? Yes. Kayla Harrison losing is a very big deal. And I know it's not – I know a lot of people who watch the entire PFL season, when you hear words like shocking and stunning and surprising, they will clap back and say, well, if you watch the season, it really wasn't all that surprising. Yeah, it was. It was still surprising. Like, Larissa Pacheco's good. And we knew this fight was going to be tougher. But if you told me Larissa Pacheco was going to beat Kayla Harrison – I would have told you she probably would have knocked her out or caught her with something and finished her to think that she would go 25 minutes, that it would be two, two heading into the fifth round and that Pacheco would just dig down a little bit deeper and get it done. I probably wouldn't have believed you, but that's exactly what happened. So huge win for Larissa Pacheco. It's nice to see her 
getting out there and doing some interviews after. She was in studio on the MA hour yesterday, which I thought was a very big deal. And at the end of the post-fight reaction thing that we did for the card, I said, listen, do not do what Bellator did with AJ McKee after he beat Patricio Pitbull. Do not do that. Do not just leave him out there to not talk to anybody. And immediately, probably like three hours later, I get a message on my Twitter. It wasn't a message, but somebody tagged me and something. It was like, hey, I'm part of Larissa's team. You want her in front of a camera? Let's do it. And her team was pushing for it, which I, which I respect and I appreciate. And I was hoping that the PFL would do the same. And I'm sure the PFL had something to do with it, but – yeah, this is this is what you do with stories like this with Brennan Lochnay and Olivier Aubin Mercier. And I, I know he wasn't on the MAR yesterday. I think our own David Martin's gonna be speaking with him. But I mean, this is what you have to do. When you have an event like this and you have moments like that, you gotta get these guys and gals in front of cameras. You gotta get them everywhere, especially if you're in New York. Get them on all the shows. Get them out there. And that was a huge blunder from Bellator after AJ McKee won, because we didn't see AJ McKee again until I think it was the Jake Paul Tyron Woodley one fight where he was just on the desk as an analyst, but he wasn't on anything. He should have been on all the shows should have been on the today show. He should have been everywhere and he wasn't anywhere. And that was kind of shocking. Ball was definitely dropped there, but it looks like they're doing a little more at the PFL fighter. So all in all pretty solid card. Will it be in the running for card of the year? Probably not. But there were some, some definitely good moments. Brendan Lockdane's story is incredible. Ante Delijah is a killer. Aspen Ladd beat Julia Budd. Wasn't the most compelling and thrilling fight. A lot of people thought Julia won that fight. OAM, what a knockout. What a moment for him. Rob Wilkinson, what a great moment for him. Sadabu Sai beats Delano Taylor. I thought it was a pretty clear win for him. Wasn't the most exciting fight. And then we, we had to deal with some sad stuff as well. We had to deal with another loss to, for Jeremy Stevens, another loss for Marl Marias. I think that one was just really awful. He's winning, going into the third round, and we were actually joking on our Slack channel. Man, I wish there was we weren't thinking about the fact that Marlon could get knocked out right now, and then lo and behold, he gets knocked out in the third round. So... Five straight knockout losses for Marlon Marias. It'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. But PFL got some got some momentum. Biagio Ali Walsh, that was a great finish. The grandson of Muhammad Ali got the card started off with the 45-second knockout. So, lots to talk about. Oh, yeah, by the way, UFC 282 looks a little bit different, doesn't it? Holy cow. What a crazy... Wednesday it was. I believe it was Wednesday. Maybe it was Tuesday. These days kind of blend together at this point. It was Wednesday. It was Wednesday. We find out that Yuri Prohashka has a really bad shoulder injury. Dana White telling Yahoo Sports, one of the worst he's ever seen. He is no longer fighting Glover Teixeira in the main event of UFC 282. The rematch is no more. Not only that, he vacated the light heavyweight title out of respect for his fellow light heavyweights for the sport, for his fellow athletes, which I thought was interesting. I didn't think it was necessary, but if that's what he wants to do, good on him. It seems like it was his decision to do so. 
I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense that he did it, but it is what it is. And then on top of that, Glover Teixeira completely out of the title picture as well as of right now. And we have a new main event for UFC 282. The light heavyweight championship will be on the line. And we'll have a new champion. It's either going to be Jan Bohovich becoming a two-time champ, or it's going to be the surging Magaban Ankalaev. Now, I got to be honest with you, and I know Ariel talked about this, and I know a lot of other people have talked about this as well. Not a fan of this main event. Not a fan of it. Now, Magaban Ankalaev, probably, he's probably going to win. I mean, this, this guy's really good. He's just not all that thrilling of a fighter right now. We're still looking for that that big win to get him over the hump. Yeah, he beat Anthony Smith, but it looked like Anthony Smith was a little bit compromised heading into that fight. The Tiago Santos main event was pretty bad. He just is whooping up on everybody else. So I think Magomed will probably win this fight, but I just don't know, man. I don't know how many people are going to buy this pay-per-view. I have no clue. What I would have done is just given Glover the fight with Jan Bohovic, just do the rematch. You have a story there. You have two guys who are about as over as you can be at 205. Magomed Ankalaev is not really over. He's good. He's real good, and he's probably going to become the champion on December 10th. But he's just not really that over. It's not really – he's not really a big draw. He's not a guy that's like, hey, you just spent 75 bucks on UFC 281. You have the chance to spend 50 on the PFL card. Why don't you drop another 75 bucks on this Blahovich and Goliath fight? I just don't – I don't know how well this is going to do on pay-per-view. This is not your typical end-of-the-year card for the UFC. This is not that absolute barn burner of a card. It just isn't. It's fine. There's some good fights on it, but it's just not – Brian Campbell said this on BTL, and, I, and I, it's kind of stuck with me. The UFC has certain events that we could kind of call – majors for them like the major events international fight week is one of them msg is one of them end of the year card is one of them and then you could say maybe the march card they usually it's like their first trip to vegas typically throughout the year and they usually try to load that one up a little bit this one just doesn't scream major card to me but we'll see what happens but oftentimes these kinds of cards are the ones that deliver the most. I, I think back at UFC 199 when Michael Bisping won the title and no one thought that was going to be a, a great event heading into UFC 200, ended up being one of the craziest events of all time. We get Patty Pimblett in a co-main event against Jared Gordon. Ponzinibbio Lawler's on the main card. Darren Till, Drickus Duplessis. Bryce Mitchell, Ilya Tapori's a great fight. I mean, there's some good fights on this card, but man, I, the Orlando card is... Equally as compelling, it just doesn't have a title fight. But we'll see what happens there. And then UFC Orlando obviously coming up on Saturday. Really good card. We will have Stephen Thompson's return against Kevin Holland. Big fight at 170 pounds. And we'll see, uh, we'll see how that all plays out heading into UFC 282. A lot of people asking if we could do a watch party. Stay tuned. That's all I'm going to say. But let's get to you guys. Lots to discuss. Tristan was first in line. I already think I know what he's going to ask. So let's do this. Tristan, how are you? Yes, sir. Mike, um, so that's what I wanted to ask you about. The fact that um, Yuri Prohaska vacated. You said that he didn't make any sense. 
I did watch the MMA Hour, Ariel Hawani, when he spoke to Conor Burke, as well as New York Rick. New York Rick said, I, I don't know why he vacated. He should have just held on to the belt until he was ready to come back. But my my question is, is when you're the champion, I guess there's extra benefits that come with it as far as um, money-wise. I guess I don't know if he keeps – I mean, I don't know how that works. That's why I need clarity on that. And two, like, I my thing about it was – Maybe Yuri did it. Obviously, it's a very moral, very noble and moral thing to do for the division. But like, because he also compared to come to like what Francis Agano. Francis Agano had the knee, had the uh, knee surgeries, held on the belt for a year, and you know now he's going to probably most likely fight um, in twenty twenty three against John Jones for the belt. But we'll see. But the thing is, do you think also too? Because my mindset is as well is the type of injury that he's dealing with, which is a severe shoulder injury. Jed alluded it to you, I think on BTL, when you guys had it on podcast only, like once you have surgery on your shoulder, you're never the same. There's a lot of complication that goes with it because the shoulder, it's a lot going on there. It's not a very um, simple type of um, body part. It's a lot going on in there. So maybe Yuri was just like, man, I could be out year and a half at best because of how complicated a surgery could happen on, on the shoulder. So just, I, I need some clarity on that, on your mindset of this is why you hold on to the belt. I guess it's monetary gain, but what is those extra benefits on that situation? I just want your thoughts on that because you guys didn't get deep into that of why why vacate the belt. I understand, and I understand what Rick is saying because of that, but I just want to know the extra stipulation for it because, and then also too, do you feel with the division, you could do that in the light heavyweight division because there's still, you need a year to still figure everything out within that whole division, so it would be okay that um, Yuri holds on the belt for a year as he um, gets the surgery and then recovers from that. That's my first question. My second question is in regards of Yasmin Yuragai, who's fighting uh, this Saturday. She kicks off the prelims. What's your thoughts on her? I I did a deep kind of like uh, video review on her fights. So I went back and watched her last fight. That was actually incredible. I have high hopes, high hopes, excuse me, as far as her as a prospect in the strawweight division. To me, to be honest with what I've seen, I think she's going to be contending for the belt in a couple of years. I think I'm really high on her as a prospect. I just want your thoughts on her moving forward. Thanks, Mike, and have a heck of a morning. Thanks, man. Yeah, Yasmin is is good, man. She's she's good, and she's young, and she's going to kind of grow up in this company. I like the matchup with Nunes. It's not too big of a step up. Nunez has been in the UFC for, for a little bit. She's got a couple of losses. She had she's been in there with some good fighters, man. She's been in there with Angel with Angela Lee. A lot of people felt like she may have beat Sam Hughes in April. She's a solid hand, but Yasmin should probably win this fight. So the UFC obviously sees something in her to to give her a fight like this on a card like this in front of people. There aren't a lot of fighters who could say, hey, my first two UFC fights post-pandemic are in front of fans, and that's what's going to happen with Yasmin. She's on the San Diego card, now she gets this Orlando treatment, 
And yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I, I think I'm not ready to say she's going to contend for a title. Let's see how she does here. Give her a, a little more of a, of a step up and then we'll see where she's at. But she kind of snuck up on us a little bit and I'm excited to see what she does on Saturday. As far as Yuri vacating the belt, I mean, it's hard because I don't, I, I don't have a UFC contract in front of me, but most times when you are the champion, you get the extra perks, the extra money, maybe some, some perks with ticket sales. You definitely get pay-per-view points. And the better a pay-per-view card does, the more money you can make. And not all fighters get that. Not all challengers get that. Some do, some don't. But mostly, Abe Kyle is the one who said this to me. You get to the belt, and then you start to make your money. Like, that's when you really start to make your money. But that's why it's so hard to keep the belt, because everybody knows that. Like, once you win the belt, and you're getting these title fights, and you're headlining, that's when you start making the bigger money. Now, hopefully, a deal is in place that when Yuri is ready to come back, he is almost treated like a champion. Kind of like how Charles Oliveira went into the Islam Makachev fight. He wasn't the champ. He got stripped of the belt because he missed weight, but it was our hopes and everybody's hopes because of the scale and possible tomfoolery that he gets treated as the champion, he gets pay-per-view points and all that. It appeared that he did, and hopefully Yuri gets the same treatment. Now, what Dana says and what reports say coming from Dana in the UFC, a little bit different than what Yuri said. Because when Yuri made his Instagram post basically saying that I'm, I'm out of the fight, I'm vacating the belt, he's saying he's going to need surgery. It's going to put him out of action for at least six months. And he's saying, I'm going to be back in six months, and I'm taking the belt against whoever has it. So... Maybe he's maybe this is optimism. I don't know, but he's saying only back in six months. Who the hell knows? He hasn't had surgery yet. I don't know, but hopefully the UFC looks at him and says, "Look, you technically should still be the champion. You vacated this on your own. You're still going to be treated as such." The big question to me isn't Yuri because Yuri's getting a title fight the second he's ready to come back. The question to me is. What do you do with Glover now? What do you do with Glover? That's the big question. Because we're... I'd be stunned if we get this rematch now. I just feel like the timing's not going to line up. And, I mean, do you just... Depending on what happens with this fight, whether it's Jan winning or, or Ankoliath winning, do you just wait and see if Yuri's ready to come back? Or do you try to rush one of those guys back to fight Glover? I don't know. But to me, Glover should have got the fight. Glover said, no, I'm not fighting Ankoliath on two weeks' notice. I don't freaking blame him for doing that. But he was ready to fight Jan Blachowicz. And I will say this. I'll throw this out there. I don't want anyone like going crazy because there's, there's very preliminary talks. But here's how the build to this announcement took place for me. Because... MMA Island reported that Jamal Hill was fighting Anthony Smith. There was no date attached to it. We had confirmed that both guys had signed contracts for March. We were told one side said March 25th, one side said March 11th. So we confirmed that both contracts were signed. 
One fighter was told one date. One fighter was told the other date. We're trying to figure out which one was which. I was told that one of the fighters involved in this conversation may have a different opportunity ahead of them. And it was not to fight for the title, but it was potentially to step in to fight for the co-main event. So I was like, oh, this is, this is crazy. Who's out? And from what I was told from, from the person I, with knowledge that I was speaking with, they didn't know who was out, but they, the UFC's message to them was that it was very, it was quite vague. It was quite vague that hey, there might be an opportunity to fight December tenth in a big fight at two o five, probably in the co-main event, and no one knew what was going on. No one knew that Yuri was hurt. No one knew that the title fight was off. No one knew anything. And then we got this announcement of the new title fight, and then literally seconds later, I was told, okay, a fight's happening March eleventh. So light heavyweight, it was a crazy couple of days for the 205 pound division. But now we know that Jamal Hill is fighting Anthony Smith. Biggest fight of his career. Main event, March 11th. Uh, March 25th, not really sure what's going on with that card. We found out that Macy Barber's fighting Andrew Lee on that card. Um, I think maybe like another fight or two has been announced for that one. But I'm told that there might be something kind of special going on with that March 25th card. It's nothing's done yet. I can't really, I don't have enough to actually report this, but apparently they're going to, the UFC is going to do something pretty cool with this March 25th card. I'm not really sure what I can say and what I can't. So I'll just leave it at that. But that's where we're at with 205 right now. And how Glover fits into this scenario. I have no friggin' idea, but hopefully he gets one last crack of the belt before he rides off into the sunset. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go to Average Avenues, and then we'll go to Bobby, and then we'll go to Viking. Average, double A, hello. Good, how are you? I'm all right, I guess. Um, I've got I've got two, sort of, and the, the, oh, I do have two questions. Um, the first one's sort of, um, I guess, interesting, I guess you could say. Um, could, I know you brought him up in the open, but could you talk a bit more about Rob Wilkinson? Because um, the Australian media did not. I found two articles about him. When it comes to combat sports, the Australian media is just a joke. I'm not. I'm not even kidding. I thought because he was Australian, they might. But like I said, two news outlets 
pathetic. And um, the other question is, three underdogs in the USC upcoming that you think might in the upcoming USC card that you think might win. All right, everyone, have a have a morning. You too, Mike. Peace. Thanks, man. Dude, Rob Wilkinson is just super fun to watch. He he beat the shit out of Omar Yakmanov. I mean, that was bad. I was there are certain times where I'm just like, ah, I hope the doctor doesn't stop it. This fight's competitive. But in that in that case, I'm like, please stop this fight. Because it's just not gonna get any better. Akhmedov, it was fun. Like Akhmedov had his moments, but he was just getting butchered out there. And what a story this guy is. It's incredible. Dude is undefeated, just finishing everybody on the way up, gets a shot at the UFC, has two fights, one of them against Israel Adesanya. Both fights, he gets knocked out in the second round. Goes to kickboxing for a little bit. Has some regional fights. Hops on in 2022 for the PFL season and just knocks everybody out. Four finishes, four fights, Never saw a third round. And now this freaking guy's a millionaire. The dude is the cha- he's a champion. He won a million dollars. And he beat some pretty good dudes on the way up. I've talked about this a lot. Like, if you're Paulo Costa right now and you're sitting there looking at a fight with Robert Whitaker, or if there's or if you have one fight left on your deal. And you're telling people that there's a potential end date to this deal. Why don't you just wait and get your ass in this PFL season? Find a way to get over there. Because this is going to be a really interesting time for the PFL. A really interesting time. Free agency is going to be massive. I know Ariel talked about this yesterday. He had fighters that are top 15 fighters in the UFC right now hitting him up being like, is this real? Like, is this, is this real? And I've been having conversations like this with fighters for a long time. So wait a minute. I could just go fight for this, win a few fights, and then win a million dollars? I mean, it's not quite as cut and dry as that, but essentially, yeah, throughout the course of the season, you could end up with a million bucks in the championship. It's pretty sweet. It's a pretty sweet deal. So after the event, I, the best thing that, that comes out of this event for the PFL was that – they have gotten on the radars of other fighters, not just in the UFC. They've probably gotten on the radar of some Bellator fighters as well. Free agency, this next few months heading into the 2023 season, it's going to be real interesting. It's going to be really, really interesting to see what they do. But Rob's, Rob's a gangster, man. And just seeing that image of Rob Wilkinson up in the Bud Light celebratory area with his belt, just hammering beers with a big smile on his face, just great stuff. Just great stuff. And before he was just he was just a, a mark on Israel Adesanya's rise to the middleweight title. And now look at this guy. Million bucks, got the big fat check, got a title belt, and he's super fun to watch. Dude can fight. That was a hell of a performance. Let's go to Bobby. Hello, Bobby. Hey Mike, how's it going? Good, Doing well. I got three quick things for you. Um, with Manga Man and Yon switching from three to five rounds in two weeks, is that a factor? I listened to the Masvidal interview this morning. Great job on that. Um, with Burns' book, do you think there's any chance Bilal might get that fight, possibly in March in England? 
And lastly, uh, with the Bellator Grand Prix coming up in lightweight, um, how do you book Islam in his first round? Do you give him a star like AJ McKee, a vet like Benson Henderson, or possibly somebody farther down on the list like a Sydney Outlaw in his first round? Um, have a great day. Have a heck of a morning. Thanks, man. Um, Mazadal Bilal, maybe. I, I don't. I think Bilal would take that fight, but I think Bilal is probably going to wait to see what's going on with with Shemaev right now, because I honestly think he's in play here. I, I honestly think Bilal is in play for that fight. It was interesting hearing Alex Pereira's interview and what has come from that. So who knows? Maybe everything gets shifted and they end up fighting at two hundred five, because Pereira went on the MMA Hour and said, responded to Shemaev and said, "We called the UFC and said." We'll fight Shemayev at 205 at UFC 283 in Rio. And then they said Shemayev didn't want it. I reached out to a member of Shemayev's team and was like, is there any truth to that? His response verbatim, absolute bullshit, was the, the, the response I got. So who knows? That card could use a little bit of a boost. And now you got bets involved. You got storylines there. Chance to raise some money for charity. It's good stuff. It's real good stuff. But who knows what happens. But if you're Bilal, you're probably holding out hope maybe for the Shemaya fight. But, I mean, getting Mazadal is a pretty damn good consolation prize. But I don't know. I don't know what the interest would – I don't know if Mazadal would be all that interested in fighting Bilal. Who knows? He's still dealing with a bunch of other stuff. I, I, I assume Connor is probably in play for him as well. And Burns is a guy who's – typically active so if he goes out there and beats neil magny and wants to bounce right back in march or april if there's anybody that could do it it's gilbert burns especially for a fight like that i think he would do it so tbd right now i don't know if below mods all happens i don't know if it happens in england perhaps i don't know i don't know it's an interesting one Let's say hello to our friend Viking MMA, and then we'll go to Latino Heat. We'll get to everybody that's waiting. Viking, hello. Viking, are you there? Yes, Mike. Where have you been, brother? I've been living life, my man. How are you? I'm good. I hope you're good, too. Uh, so my question about Francis and Ngannou. So will Francis Ngannou lose his big payday with Tyson Fury if he loses to John Jones, like you have said about what Usman could have lost before Leon fight? And do you think if UFC agrees to his terms, Francis Ngannou's terms, does that mean Ngannou made them kneel before him or sort of that thing? Because I think... Ngannou will fight in the octagon, 100%. And some facts about Bilal Muhammad. Uh, he was chirping about Hamza, but the same Bilal did not have balls even to say Hamza's name when he had the chance twice. And one more thing. Uh, I saw Jed Mishu's cover picture on Twitter, so... Is he a part-time priest who waits people? Thanks, man. Uh, so, Jed, I, 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 he's not a part-time priest. 
But um, he has, I mean, here in the United States, you can have people sort of step in and marry other people. Uh, I know when I got married, we did it outside of the golf course. We just had, um, I was a bartender at the time before I got into the sport. And there was a guy who we called Uncle Jeff. It would come in, he would sit down at the bar every day I was there, and he would drink Maker's Mark on the rocks. And he was just the funniest son of a bitch in the world. Well-spoken, in his 60s, great guy. And I asked him to do it because I thought he'd be perfect at it. I know he would take it seriously. I know he was a jokester, but he would go in there and take it seriously. So uh, I think Jed just had a buddy say, you're good with words, Jed. Why don't you do the marrying? And that's what he did. So as far as the Ngannou Tyson Fury things, by the way, let me go back to the, to the Usman Amagomedov question. I think Benson Henderson would probably be the one. Um, you got to put a big fight on there right off, the, right off the bat. Putting him against City Outlaw is probably not the one. So I think Benson's the one. I don't think AJ McKee's the one they go right to right away. Um, and plus, AJ McKee's got himself a hell of a fight on that Ryzen car with Satoshi. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and how long he might be out for, et cetera. With the Ngano Fury thing, I just don't know if the interest is there anymore. I know Francis would love that fight because he'd make a big bag of money. But Tyson hasn't even talked about Francis. Like, since then, he's booking other fights. Tyson was on the MAR yesterday and said that his retirement didn't last long because he needed it. He needed he needed a box. And I don't think Francis is the guy that's going to get him up in the morning and, and training his ass off because he, he's going to mollywop Francis Gano. And I'm not saying this to be disrespectful. It's just the way that it is. Tyson in a boxing match against Francis Gano is going to beat him convincingly. And I still want to see Francis get that fight because he'd make a whole bunch of money. So right now, I don't think he loses the bag of money because I don't think there's a bag of money to be had. I just don't think Tyson Fury is even entertaining this idea right now. Now, had he retired and gone off into the sunset and would come back for a one-off, kind of doing what Floyd's doing, yeah, I think he would entertain that idea. But at this point doesn't seem like it's a it's a thing it doesn't seem like it's a thing but who knows maybe maybe there's other guys that step up to the table step up to the plate and want to box francis and maybe francis will ask him maybe maybe we'll uh maybe he'll get his wish i will say this though uh as far as the fight with john jones goes i mean like i said we would We've been talking about it on this show for months now that that was the plan. March 4th, uh, if they could do it. We knew December wasn't going to happen for Francis because he's dealing with the, the knee recovery. But we're seeing videos of him kicking a little bit. He's moving around a little bit better. I am told that nothing is done. The plan is still March 4th if they can get it done. But from what I'm told, the conversations between both sides have been going much better than they were earlier on. We're still far away. There's no official fight offer. There's no official agreements in place because Francis does the contract and all that. Uh, but from what I've been told, Friday, I believe, Friday or Saturday. Yeah, sometime this weekend. Uh, I talked to some people and conversations for that fight are going very well. So there's your update. Which isn't much, but conversations are going much better than anticipated. 
Latino Heat, hello. Hi, how you doing? Good morning, first thing. And my question is, what is your own? And more like an opinion, what's your opinion on the KSI versus Dylan? No, not yeah, Dylan Dennis fight. And then do you do you think Tyson Fury might lose since this year? Apparently, there's been so many upsets like an Asanya, Kamaru Usman, Rose Naman Junis, so on. And that's all. Um, thank you. Thanks, man. Uh, to answer your second question, no. Francis is going to win and win dominantly. And not Francis, uh, Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury will win. He'll probably knock him out. And Tyson seems up for it. So this isn't like a typical sort of rematch scenario. Yeah, Tyson Fury is going to win that fight. No doubt in my mind. Someone asked earlier about what upsets I was looking at that could shock some folks. Um, I'm looking. I mean, maybe Wonder Boy at plus 135. I think Holland wins that fight, but these are the kinds of fights that Steven Thompson does really, really well in because Holland's not going to shoot for a bunch of takedowns. At least that's what he says. Tai Tuivas is always a live dog at plus 170, but he's fighting a friggin' really tough guy. Right now, Chris Curtis is an underdog to Joaquin Buckley. I would probably take a look at Chris Curtis at plus money right now. Uh, Jared Gordon, plus 160 against Patty Pimblett. Yeah. Those are the ones I'm looking at. Bryce Mitchell's the dog against Ilya Taporia. That's a that's a close fight. Yeah, there's some fun ones. There's some fun ones coming up. Let's go to Barbarusa. Then we'll go to Dakota and then rip some picks. What's up, Barbarusa? Uh, hi, Mike. How are you doing for today? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Um I have a question about uh, Pereira. I hear a lot of talks that he's the worst uh, champion in MMA history or in UFC history, and he's going to lose to the first wrestler. Do you think it's fair? Because I know he he's not the best uh, wrestler, but what I've seen against Adesanya, Adesanya, which has been a champ for a long time, and he was very hard to hit. And I've seen a guy who was so exhausted. And in the last round, he had the ability to knock someone who's uh, very hard to hit, especially the wrestlers would be exhausted too at, uh, in the fifth round. So I see if you don't finish him, if you are not so specialist in the jujitsu, I don't know. I think he's, he will always have a chance to be a champion. And um, my second question is about uh, Moicano. Uh, what do you think? Do you think he's uh, taking the the good approach by saying uh, he will not fight until the money is uh, all right? Because I I like what what he did in the post uh, interview. But is he in that spot to demand for more money? Uh, I don't know. And my last thing is about. Uh, Francis Ngannou, uh, because 
do you see the UFC compromising and giving him what he wants, especially since he's 38? And I know his story is very great if you see where he comes from, how the way he knocks people out. But the UFC didn't want to promote him, and he's not that famous. Obviously, he should be much more famous, and he, he's actually the baddest man on the planet. But he's he's not promoted that way. Do you think the UFC would compromise for a 38 years old man, and then uh, every the young fighters would do the same the same approach he did? Especially, he didn't do it uh, in behind closed doors, and he talked to, to media about it. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, man. Yeah, I think cooler heads would prevail. I kind of thought this is what would happen from jump street. I know this is like a huge story and who knows, maybe at the 11th hour, the talks will fall apart and France will become a free agent. And I'll tell you what, if Francis does become a free agent, if I'm the PFL, I'm getting on a flight to Las Vegas immediately and getting that guy on your roster. You got to do it. If he's available, you got to snatch that dude up. And if you can't get him, you should fire whoever is in charge of that. 100%. Go get him. But I think cooler heads will prevail. I think the fact that John Jones is in play, it's John's first fight. That's the one I think that's going to get him over the top. And I think it's going to be, I think they'll figure it out. I definitely think they'll figure it out. The Moicano thing is interesting because this is the, I mean, this is the most interesting Hanato Moicano has ever been. I love this gimmick. I'm a big fan of it. Let's go. Money Moicano, I love how he talks about himself in the third person. It's the best. It's awesome. Do I think he's going to like get million-dollar offers to fight? Absolutely not, but he keeps doing this. He's going to get some opportunities. He's going to get some bigger fights, and the thing, he's already into this gimmick. You just got to stick with it and just keep doing it. When he shows up the next media day, he needs to talk in the third person. He needs to say these exact same things. This is what he needs to do. I'm digging it. And with the Pereira thing, I know there is – I think it was RJ Clifford who tweeted out that he might be the worst middleweight champion of all time, and John Anik reacted to that. Here's, here's what I'll say. The fact that he is the champion is just so wild to me, and I agree with a lot of what you just said. At the same token, I have no idea how good this guy is. I have no clue. I still don't know. Like, I didn't get a ton of questions answered. And I, like, I almost have – I don't have as many as I did heading into the Adesanya fight, but I certainly have some. I don't know if he's the – like, he could be the best middleweight of all time. He could be the eighth best middleweight in the world right now. I don't know. And that's what's so fascinating about him being the champion right now. I would keep him – Far away from Hamza Shemaev right now. I don't want to see that. I mean, if they do it at 205 and they can do the bet thing and the stakes aren't really high, like, I don't care. Whatever. But it's not a fight like I need to see right now. I think all signs. He's got the hand injury, dealing with a bunch of stuff. Just keep this dude out of the cage and let him heal up and have him fight out of Sanya. Like, just do that. And if the Shemaev fight is there afterwards, if he goes out there and beats him again, cool, we can go that route. You got Robert Whitaker. There's just too many questions that are unanswered on all sides. If they, I mean, look, if 283 needs this fight, like it could really help it, especially the way 282 looks right now. 
You want to go ahead and do that fight at 205? I don't care. Am I clamoring for it? Is it something I have to see? No. Especially with Pereira being banged up. Got the hand injury. He says he goes and gets that taken care of. He'll be back by like June or July. Just wait till then. Who cares? You can keep building up the storyline with Shemaev if you want. And then let's go to Shemaev Colby or Shemaev Bilal. I want to see if he can make 170. Because if Shemaev takes a fight at 205 or takes a fight at 185, I think the welterweight days are over. And I think there's just a lot of interesting fights at 174 that I want to see. I just want to see if he can make the damn weight. But Prayer's good, man. I, I just I don't know how good he is yet. And that's what's so interesting about him. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Dakota, hello. hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. How yeah. are you? So I just have a few questions. Um, do you really think 282 is worth the buy now that Glover and Yuri aren't the main event for the title? Um, as well as when Nagani leaves, if he does leave, if nothing works out for his contract, like I'm hoping it really does because I love watching Nagani fight. Where do you think he will end up? If it be, you know, PFL or Bellator or, you know, so on and so forth. What what promotion do you think he'd end up with? And then my last question is um, completely off of the subject of everybody else, what everybody else has been talking about. Um, for the Bantamweight shot, do you think Sean O'Malley should get that fight or do you think he should have to fight Cheeto Vero first? Because the way I see it is his one loss did come from Cheeto, whether it was a technical loss to him or not, it was still a loss. Do you think they should have to run that back to see who actually gets to go for the title shot first, seeing how they're both doing so well in the UFC right now? Or do you think Sean should just get that shot? Thanks, man. Um, the Ngano thing is, is it, I, I don't know where he ends up. Maybe, maybe Ngano just does his own promotion. Who the hell knows? But like I said, if I'm the PFL, I'm just backing up multiple Brinks trucks and getting this guy on. You want to know why? Because this is the easiest guy in the promotion to promote. He's so easy. You just show highlights of him deading everybody, deading Stipe, deading Alistair Overeem. And just, he's a terrifying looking guy. I mean, he does interviews. He's just such a delight, but he's so easy to promote. He's so easy. 
It's like right there on, on, on your laps. It's so simple. And PFL would just, it's, it, you don't have to do a lot. You just show highlights of him deading guys. I don't get it. Like, I don't understand what the, what the big problem is. How, he's so easy to promote. As far as the Bantamweight thing goes, no, I think, I've been saying this for a long time. Sean should just get the title shot. I don't care how you felt about the Peter Jan fight. He freaking beat him. He won. In the books, it is a win. And Dana White said, whoever wins this fight's fighting for the title next. So he should get the shot. If he wants it right now. It doesn't sound like he really wants it right now. He's even suggesting have Aljo and Cejudo fight for the title and then I'll fight the winner. It's kind of a risky proposition, if we're being honest. Now, I know that Ali Abdulaziz is doing interviews with multiple media members, including our own Damon Martin, saying that it's done. Cejudo's fighting Sterling. This is the fight. I'm told that's not true. There's been no fight offers to Sterling. Nothing like that. And who knows what could happen. Again, I have no interest in watching Henry Cejudo fight for the title right now. No interest at all. Do I want to see him fight Aljamain Sterling? Yes. But do I want to make sure that Suhudo actually wants to do this? Yes. The worst retirement ever in combat sports. One of the worst comebacks in the history of, of combat sports. He hasn't proven anything to anybody. I would rather, to me, it's O'Malley, then Cheeto, then Suhudo. If we're gonna, if he's just not gonna fight anybody else. How I would match it up, and this is what I've been saying since Cejudo got back in the pool, do Cejudo versus Cheeto. Just do that. It's a fight that Cejudo can win, and if he beats Cheeto, then I don't care. Go fight for the belt. I don't give a shit. But, yeah, I talked about this all the time. But O'Malley has done enough to, to earn a title fight, in my opinion. You have O'Malley, Vera. That, that's a back pocket fight. You can do that anytime you want. You can go back to that anytime you want. And if some, if for some reason they go Sterling O'Malley and O'Malley wins the title, I don't think Sterling's getting in an immediate rematch. I don't think so. Unless it's like something strange and weird happens. And then you can do O'Malley versus Cheeto for the title and it's so much bigger. And either way, if you do O'Malley fighting for the belt and he loses, you can still do the Cheeto fight. It's right there for you. It's right there. Bantamweight's a mess right now. Let's go to Rips and Picks. Hey, what's up, Mike? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. How are hey, you? Good. Doing well, man. Uh, just had a couple rapid fire. You, you just went over the Aljo Cejudo uh, sugar thing. That was perfect. Uh, just first little question I got. Uh, being selfish, my birthday is March 4th. So that March 4th card, just curious in your opinion, who 100% fights on that card? Like, is it John Jones? Is it Francis? Like, who is the person that's 100% do, do you think going to be on that card? Um, and the only other thing I want to go over is just Larissa Pacheco. I mean, pretty crazy. I feel like since Kayla is not doing the season format in 2023, if Larissa repeats as champ and most likely knocks out everyone in the first round, just like she did before, does she make a case for the best female fighter in the PFL history? Because she would be tied with Kayla as a two-time champ doing it in back-to-back -back years, and she'd possibly do it in a more violent fashion, finishing everyone in the first round. That's all I got for you, Mike. Thanks, man.
It's an interesting question. I think she'd have to beat Kayla at least once more, maybe twice to get that. And I just don't know if the timing's going to be there for that. And who knows? Who knows if she even ends up in the season at this point? Because they are doing this pay-per-view super fight thing. Kayla Harris and Larissa Pacheco 4 is a much more compelling fight now than we thought it might be on Thursday or heading into that event on Friday. So it all depends. What does she want? Does she want to go through that whole season again in an attempt to win the million? Or does she want to get a big fat stack of cash to fight Kayla once? Maybe twice if she beats her again. All I know is that before Larissa Pacheco steps foot inside a PFL cage, her and her team, they need to sit down with PFL and they need to pay her more money. She is now a valuable commodity in, the, in this organization. So pay her her money. She has earned it. She has become a story. Is she going to sit there and sell you a million pay-per-views? Maybe not. Probably not. But she is – She's. this result is the most talked about thing in PFL history. You got to pay her. If you want to offer the Kayla fight, you better pony up. Otherwise, she's just be like, all right, I'll just – do the season again, just win the Millie. She's got options. It's a good, it's a great place to be in if you're Larissa Pacheco. But to answer your question, she's got a ways to go. She's gonna have to be Kayla at least one more time and just keep doing what she's doing on the way. March 4th, a hundred percent. I can't I can't see that. Nothing's ever a hundred percent. But I mean Things are heading in the right direction for Ngano Jones. We're far away from that happening and being a thing right now. But I'm told conversations are going well. And if it's up to the UFC, that's the fight that they're going to book. Other than that, what the, I don't know what you do. I think Colby Shamayev might be like a good little backup plan if you can get everybody on board, but I think John's going to fight on that card either way. It all depends on Francis. It all depends on Francis. If he doesn't resign, John, they'll strip him of the belt, and John will probably fight Curtis Blades or Ciro Gunn for the title. But John will – John. I feel pretty – I'm not going to say 100%, but I – because he is John Jones and fool me once, you know the cliche. But I would, I, I would feel good about John fighting March 4th. I hope it's Francis – but I feel like John will be on that card. Again, Sue, that's the question. Jay Stad, hello. Hello, Mike. Um, my question is, I think Money Morcano needs to be in the PFL to make all the money. So that's all I wanted to say. Hey, listen, there's, there's worse places to be right now if you're Money Morcano. Worst places to be. I listen. I think. I think there's a lot of. I think there's a lot of fighters on both Bellator and the UFC's roster who are like, "Ooh, this seems like something I would want to do." So you would put Boycano in at lightweight, and he'd. Damn. I mean, Boycano. Boycano would do pretty well. He might win the whole damn thing. OAM seemed to have found himself. Stevie Ray had a good season. 
But Moicano probably beats Anthony Pettis, probably beats a lot of these guys. So who knows? But I don't know what his contract situation is. I don't know how many fights he got left on his deal. And I'm sure the UFC is I'm sure the UFC is seeing what's going on with the PFL and is they're probably like, oh, okay. They're a player. They're a player right now. But good little momentum swing for PFL. All right, the M. Take us home. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I joined late, so I don't know if you guys talked about this or not. But uh, regarding uh, Conor McGregor, everybody know right now everybody knows that he is on steroids. And USADA said when he comes back, it's up to the UFC to exempt him from the six-month pool or not. Let's say the UFC exempted him. Do you think it will be like I'm talking about from a point of principles and ethicality? Do you think fighters who uh, who who uh, accept to fight him before six months? Do you think this is going to uh, like water down the existence existence of USADA and and defeat the whole purpose? Do you think um, they shouldn't complain about another fighter in the future who they find out after the fact that the fighter was using steroids? Um, if they accept to fight Connor for mo- because they know they will make money before he enters the six months uh, mandatory six month pool in the USADA pool, what do you think? Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean this has been a, a, a trendy topic, but McGregor has said that, and I, I believe we, we we reported this a while ago. Um, he's not in the pool. Uh, USADA and everybody involved is aware of him not being in the pool and why because of the catastrophic injury and they're aware of it like everybody's aware of it now in Connor's eyes he says he has once he elects to go back into the pool he only has to take two tests who knows like who knows I mean you and USADA says he has six months sure I mean but I don't think the UFC is going to be like, "Hey, Connor, you ready to fight?" All right, you're not you're not getting tested. I think even Connor knows that the UFC is not going to do that. But even if they test him twice and he's negative both times, maybe they'll slap the exemption on him then. I just don't see the UFC. I mean, we all have eyes, right? For the, like, if if we have eyes and we're looking at what this guy's become, like we're not dumb. I'm, I mean, who knows? But whatever you need, sometimes you need steroids and these enhancement drugs to, to heal an injury. And sometimes you lift a lot of weights and, <laughs> and you just get absolutely yoked. And that's kind of what Connor's done. I don't think the, like when he's like, I don't think he's going to call Dana white and be like, Hey, I'm ready to fight in February. They're like, all right, I'll put you on the card in February. No, they're going to make sure he tests and make sure it's all out of his system. Make sure he's at a, at a different playing field than others. But, and who knows, maybe, Maybe he comes back in in January and he can't fight till July anyways. And then he can do the testing for six months and he's good to go. I don't know. I honestly have no idea what's going on. There's multiple sides. I don't know where the UFC stands on it. They haven't really talked about it. Who knows? But 
even if they use an exemption, it's going to be an exemptions that that's used like after a few like negative tests. I don't think they're just going to be like, all right, he's exempted because they don't want to play that game again. They played with Brock Lesnar already. Didn't work out too well. So I think those exemptions they're going to use, they can keep them close to the vest and use them only when they have to. But all right, everybody, we are done. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, I didn't have my coffee this morning. It's just sitting in my fridge, and I didn't drink it all. I'm like, why am I a little foggy this morning? It's because I didn't drink my damn Dunkin' Donuts coffee. But we got through. We answered some great questions. And we will be back on Thursday. We'll do it again, 10 a.m. Eastern. Then we'll come back on Friday. Well, we will do something on Friday. It's just a matter of when because the UFC Orlando weigh-ins are at 9 a.m. Eastern on Friday. So what do we get? Stay tuned. We'll we'll do something Friday for sure. And then BTL will be back in its normal form on Thursday. It's going to be a fun week, everybody. We're getting back to normal. We're getting back to normal after the Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States. So thank you all very much. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning. Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.